Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, and you can find me on social media at Justin Bizarro, or you can find us um, on the podcast at Justin and the Food Entrepreneur's. So today we have back with us, as promised, Josh House of Pickles and Bones Barbecue from Milford, Ohio. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm good, Justin. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, you know, I want to jump right into it and, and sort of where we left off um, last episode when you were on. And, I mean, we were talking about leadership and the, the biscuit pop-ups and stuff like that. And I sort of want to dive right into it. Um, but I want to get, have everyone know a background about you real quick in case they're just hearing this episode for the first time and don't know um, that you were just on episode 133 as well as episode 11. You know, Josh is a barbecue master, um, and he's he's branched out and done this program um, that helps small businesses grow their businesses and, and rounds them out as entrepreneurs. So I think we're going to talk a lot about that today. And then one of the things that came out of it was sort of this pop-up biscuit idea that they're looking to grow in it's pretty cool what, what's gone on and how much, I mean, it was almost a year ago when we did episode 11. So it's just so cool to see, see the growth, um, there. And then one other thing that I'm going to ask Josh right now, cause we are launching the food and beverage entrepreneur summit in Milledgeville, Georgia, um, with this podcast to do awards and stuff for episodes and people that were on. And Josh had mentioned he's going to be there uh, on the 3rd and 4th, so I hope, Josh, that you eventually get on Eventbrite and get your tickets. They are free. Um, We are doing it for free as a give back for all the people that have been on the podcast, as well as people we know and have communicated with and and work with just as a give back to do a little bit of education, a little bit of motivation, some collaboration, some getting to work with people that are in similar industry and hopefully promote some collaboration. So that being said, Josh, what I would love to do is maybe ask you, um, since you're awesome at barbecuing, if you would consider working with us on on the dinner the first night where I'll make sure we bring in all the ingredients you need and let you know what equipment we have at the kitchen there, and maybe working with our team and letting you lead, and we put together a barbecue dinner that represents Bones, uh, pickles and bones barbecue what do you think about that yeah that'd be awesome man and then i i think it'd be cool to just tie the whole podcast in um since they're the we're working through the podcast to to do this food and beverage entrepreneur summit to tie in um you as a person that's been on the podcast so it's up to you if it's too much i understand that. and obviously i want you to learn but i thought it would be a cool idea to sort of integrate that in with you yeah sure all right, so where should we start? Um, let's talk more about um, the small business uh, progress uh, education thing that you went through and in a little more detail because I feel like we really need to get down into how it made you grow as a person and, and as your business. Uh, we talked about the biscuit thing, and I want to dive into that more. But, I mean, really, Josh, I mean, how has it changed your life? I think it's just given me a new perspective on on where we're going. Uh, like I said before, you know, we spent a lot of time and we just kind of kept growing organically. And it was just a situation like, you know, if we needed 
again, like if we needed a new refrigerator, you know, we found out how we were going to buy a new refrigerator. One thing that, one thing that, um, one thing I think that really it helped not only me, but some other people that were involved was just that, uh, is, is learning to not be afraid to take on some debt. Um, I think that's something that in the beginning, uh, you know, we, you know, we bootstrapped everything and we were trying to just as we grew by this, as we grew by this, um, and, you know, get a small line of credit. But this gave us, gave me a little bit, um, not a little bit, much more confidence in taking on a little bit of debt and also understanding uh, the time when it's good to take on debt. You know, uh, one thing that came out of it that I really appreciated and started to understand was that it's much easier to get money when you don't really need it. So that time when you need 50 grand to go do something, for, it's going to be hard to go and get it, especially when you're in a restaurant situation. It's just the banks right now especially are scared to, to deal with restaurants unless you have a long, long history of, of um, profitability or, and books. And even in that case, a lot of times the bigger banks are going to stay away from restaurants. Uh, so one thing, you know, if you are looking for money, um, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but look for it when you don't need it so that you have it when stuff does come up and look at the smaller banks in your community. Uh, they're much they're much more um, small business friendly. Um, what's one thing we learned and have learned uh, in this process and as we try to grow um, that the bigger banks, they just, they kind of stay away. They're, we're, we're not a good bet for them, I guess, more or less. So, and, and going into that program, uh, the idea of taking on debt was something that uh, Nicole and I really didn't want to do. Uh, we, we'd avoided it as long as we could. Um, and we could have we could have continued to go on without it, but uh, we chose to take on a little bit, um, really to get kind of get used to managing it and to learn the process and be comfortable with that and put and putting be comfortable with putting ourselves in that position. Obviously, if we continue as we continue to grow the business, there's going to be a moment, um, you know, hopefully in the not so distant future where uh, we end up in a spot where we're going to have to take on some more debt if we want to if we want to grow the business, we don't want to give up equity, um, in the company. We've worked very hard to keep it what it is. And we want to continue to grow that way without giving up our business. So that's really the only way we're going to be able to finance a new project. So, uh, just getting, we feel much more comfortable and I feel much more comfortable walking into a bank right now talking about our financial situation, uh, talking about how we'll be able to repay that stuff. And that was something that was really important that came out of that class. Yeah, and I, I really, we've never actually talked about this on the podcast, but that financial advice is is 100% um, spot on in a business. Like, banks are never willing to give you money when you need it. It's nope. always thinking ahead and let me establish myself now um, and take on the debt now and start to establish that relationship in the good times. Um, so you're prepared for the hard times um, because there needs to be a track record, just like building your credit. Um, you need to build your credit in the good times. So if you ever need credit or buy a house or, or a restaurant or a business or whatever, a car, that that credit's already built because you built it during the good times. And you're right. It seems counterintuitive. Well, I don't need it. Why would I take on the debt and pay the interest? Well, what's really happening is you're paying interest and that's your fee to build credit and you're paying it forward, you know, and we talk about this a lot 
financially in our business is establishing that interest, which you ha- if you really look at it, it's paying it forward because one day you're going to need more than 15000 Maybe you need 150000 because you're growing you know, rapidly. And, but you, without any credit or relationship with that bank, it's very hard to go in there and ask for a lump sum like that. It, you have to start off slowly, just like anything else. It's a hockey stick, you know, yeah. just like we talk about what, the success of your business, a hockey stick, and you have to think about the financial side the same way. In debt, you just keep it steady for a while, and then when you need it, you're going to hockey stick. But if you don't have, you know, the actual part before it curves, um, and you, you know, during those um, plateau times, then you have no way to actually leverage and support yourself and get the cash flow you need um, to help um, leverage your business or the cash you need, the capital, not cash flow, the capital you need to leverage your business. So I think that's pretty spot on and and, and an amazing uh, insight right there. I think that's a big one. Yeah, 100%. Like like you're saying, you know, if if you take on, uh, you know, what the bank is going to consider a small loan, if it's, you know, $20,000, it doesn't. It's not small to you as a small business. It's a. It's a big. It's still a big amount of money. But if you can't show that you're able to manage that size loan, you're never going to be able to go in and ask for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan, two hundred thousand dollar loan, half a million dollar loan, depending on what it is, without any track record of being able to handle it. Yeah. And I and that's just such a broader topic. And I mean, part of it, and it's also what you said. You start to get in the practice of managing debt, and mm-hmm. you know, and and I think that's important. And and interestingly enough, and this is a, a little bit side topic is we don't even in our educational systems teach people how to manage debt anymore, or balance a checkbook, or do those no, things. <laughs> and we don't. We're not teaching those essential life skills. And it's interesting because. Deborah and I talk about this a lot is, um, you know, we get all this education and specialized education, yet we don't ever teach anyone how to live their lives, whether it's college or high school or school or whatever. We're not teaching people that foundation that that is essential, not only to live, but when you're negotiating to with your employer on your salary or you're trying to start your own business, you've got to have that experience in it is a habit you have to build it it's not something that just comes naturally to people and so 100 percent. because we are human beings and there is always the shiny red ball or silver ball whatever that we want to go after and buy and we don't want any repercussions but there are there's financial repercussions there's you know potential debt repercussions so it's managing that and learning to do it but on the flip side, when you go to a bank, they want to know that you have the um, habit of being able to manage debt from day one, and that track record's important. So, um, oh yeah, hundred percent. And, and just a little bit, uh, kind of elaborate a little bit more on that too. Is this one thing um, I've learned that was really surprising to me is this: just how many people out there do not understand or do not care to understand the financials of their business. And if, if you people think they're running a great business, they've been doing this. We've been, you know, we've been doing a million dollars in sales for the last five, every year, last five years, like clockwork. And then they, they sit down with somebody that understands financials and starts looking at it and realize like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing money every year. Like they don't. So 
you really have to put in the time and the effort to it. Like, you know, kind of like you were elaborating, like if it's something that you're not comfortable with, you, you really have to, even if you outsource that to an accountant and they handle all your books or you have uh, an in-house bookkeeper, like you, at the end of the day, like it's your business. You have to understand what's going on with the money. You have to understand where it flows from the top to the bottom. If you don't, eventually it, it's going to, it's going to bite you in the ass. Well, yeah, and I and I love this topic because if we really dive into it, when you set prices on your product or set prices on your menu, um, a lot of people forget to adjust those prices as time goes on when they run a restaurant or a business or sell a product. But what's also happening is food, the raw food costs of anything increases, your labor costs increase, your utilities increase. And over time, a profitable business can quickly become non-profitable because all of those expenses and overhead and food costs go up and they're not paying attention to it because they aren't paying attention to the financials. They're not seeing the impact of these, these little increases over a few years. And then next thing you know, they're losing money and, and needing a loan to, to save themselves. And then they're in a need and they didn't manage in the first place and they never had to be in a need to get a loan and and before but it is you're 100 percent right you need to know where your money's going what the you know uh inputs are to the money that you're spending what are your expenses against the revenue and what really is your profit at the end of the year because it like i said those costs can fluctuate i remember a year where milk fluctuated through the roof you know it's like four or five dollars a gallon at one point i mean it's hard to believe now that i go to the grocery store and it's like less than two dollars Right. But there was a time, or we went through that period a few years ago where gasoline prices went through the roof. You know, all mm-hmm. of that affects your businesses and the food costs, so or yep. agriculture costs, and and so on and so forth. There's a ripple effect, and you and during those times, you really need to be mindful of the um, the impact on the business. So I agree 100. percent Yeah, and I think when when people are pricing menus, also. You know, people will see, you know, if the, you know, for us, for instance, like the price of brisket, um, even since we've started has, has gone up significantly and the market fluctuates and, you know, you may have menu items where you have the ability to price it at a market price. Um, for, for us, that's not something that we do, but we do when, when we take a significant price range, uh, our price increase over time, we do have to at the end of the day, you have to pass, you have to pass it on to, to the customer and uh, people get scared about raising prices, but really like the value of your product determines, determines that if, if, if you raise your, your, your sandwich meal, a dollar, uh, people aren't going to stop paying it because you raise it a dollar. They're going to stop paying it if you're not providing them a great value still. So I think people get scared of raising the prices and they're afraid that, it's going to cost them business, but really the, the, the value driving the value is really, if you're not doing that really is what costs you business in the long run. Yeah. And I want to talk about this too, because, um, in people I've worked with and and people that have come to me for advice and the other businesses that I've been in and building and designing restaurants and the food trucks or trailers, one of the things that you have to be mindful of. And I learned this lesson is in McDonald's does this very well. Um, is that if you incrementally are conscious of your prices every year, you're slightly adjusting them every year to meet that increase. 
uh, proportionately and your customers won't ever have a shock value of a price increase because you're managing it on a yearly basis. And what they do to sort of offset that is they still keep their dollar menu, their $2 menu, their $3 menu. It used to be only a dollar menu, but because of those price increases, they then added a $2 menu. And then you have increases. Now they have a $3 menu where we mm-hmm. didn't even notice we're now $3 $3 menu is the equivalent of a $1 menu item used right. to be. Um, but all of their sandwiches go up. So you still feel like you're getting a deal, but they've upped it to you. Um, but also giving you the deal or a daily special or whatever you can do in your business is, is a way of handling it. And it's a way of forcing you to be mindful. Okay, every January 1st, I'm going to look you know, at my books probably better to do it around tax season, but people are overwhelmed during tax season. So it's a little hard to adjust pricing, but then you get a full scope of what your business has done and hasn't done what the tax implications are. And you can go back and readjust your pricing. Um, I mean, in our business, um, we go back and we review our pricing with our customers um, every three months because that's how fast in the volumes that we deal with change. So you're in a restaurant business, you go a year, that's a long time and a lot of things can happen in a year. And, um, and fortunately for restaurants, they're not, they don't quite deal with as many raw ingredients as we do on a larger scale. But I mean, that's just saying we really have to review with our customers every three months. And we do that as a favor to the customer because yes, do we want to make money and we have to get our profit, no doubt. But they have also got to know that these are increasing. So they need to adjust their prices with their clients so they continue to profit. Why? Because only way I'm going to be able to put food on the table and roof over the heads for the employees and over my own families is if the cust- my clients do well for their customers, you know, so and make money. So our clients got to make money in order for us. And it's the same for you guys. The customers, you know, have to profit your business. That's why they're there. That's why you're in business. And, and in some ways you're helping them by feeding them and giving them an experience where their family can come together or their friends or, you know, that's really when we look at food, um, and I'm going to go off on a, a tangent here. So sorry, Josh, but one of the things we really have to look at when we're doing it is people are paying not only for the food, but that experience to be together. You're helping people in, in, in restaurants and have this experience of coming together as a family, coming together with their friends to eat. Eat is merely the, the food is merely the vehicle by which you're helping people have that experience. So they should pay for it. You're not only providing the food, but you're providing this service to them. And when we think about it that way as a food company, you know, or, or beverage company, you're providing more than just the food. So you should profit off of it because you need to be around because you're helping people have these experiences. Obviously you want your food to be good. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think it's a cool idea. And when you talk about, um, and I'm going to segue this a little bit um, and then get back to your, um, what you learned. But when you were talking about the biscuit um, pop up last week and all the people standing in line, you know, all these people are there for the food and to have the biscuit, but you gave them an experience. So the second time around, you provided coffee and stuff and made sure they were comfortable in line. But what also happened is they were in line together. Mm-hmm. They were in line with each other. It's a story they're going to tell. You remember that time we waited in line for an hour for one of those awesome biscuits? 
So they're tying a memory to the food, to the experience, which is, you know, the most valuable thing you can do is you're, you're helping them have those memories. What do you think? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. You have to do more than just, and, and, and as a business, you, you have to do more than just provide great food. That's the minimum level expectation. It's like, it's like the, when people come in here, we can't just give them good customer service. That's the, that's the minimum level of expectation, at least in my opinion. If I go out someplace, if you give me good customer service, that, that's a minimum level. If you give me good food, that's the bare minimum. I, I hope that if I come and spend money with you, that you're going to give me good food and good customer service. Like That's a minimum. It's not a, you have to go above and beyond that. You have to find a way to make personal connections with people and do more for people. And, and if you're not willing to do that, and I'm afraid to say that it, it seems more and more so these days that people forget that people think that their fancy Instagram post of their cool ingredients or whatever they think is a cool ingredients and this great presentation is enough. It's not, it's not good enough. Just giving somebody a good experience is not, is not good enough. You have to be great. You have to give great food. You have to give great customer service. We have a limited time to interact with with our customers when they come in here because we just we're carry out only but that's our chance to provide great customer service that's our chance to remember everybody's name remember their order if we can um remember something about their family whatever insight that we can gain from them uh to just simply take somebody's order or just make stuff that's mediocre i mean i can't get excited i wouldn't get out of bed to do that yeah, and I really want to emphasize this, Josh, because you're so spot on in terms of what it takes to be the next level of a business and grow your business, and you guys are doing it, and and I can hear it in your attitude, and I can hear it in you know sort of your core values when you say this. So providing the food is just the beginning, and at yeah. the end of the day, anybody can make food. Anyone can provide food, and yes, is some food better than others? Of course, but it's still the bare minimum. You know, the thing is, is I grew up, you know, I'm half Italian, so I have this whole Italian roots. And one of the things that always happened anywhere I went, well, one, they look, I look Italian, so that helps. But there's this investment from the owners or the general managers of the restaurants. Every time I'm, I'm in an Italian restaurant that's, that's authentic or, or back in New Jersey or in New York City, there's this investment in the clients. And there's a lot of businesses that are out there doing it, but Somewhere along the line with social media and the internet, we forgot about the hard part. It's not, the hard part is not the food. The hard part is actually building a relationship with the people that come in the door, to your point. What do you know about them? What is their favorite thing when they come here? You know, are they feeling valued that they're there? Are you being thankful that they're your customers? You're not just coming in and having a monetary exchange. Here's, here's money, you know, here's money. I give you food, you know, that's not, right. um, you know, that's not the relationship can't just be that there's no value in that because people will forget they eat three meals a day, snack twice a day. They're not going to remember every meal, but what they are going to remember is that emotional connection through building a relationship. And so yeah. if, if anyone's listening in and you're not taking the time to build those relationships with your customers, I got to tell you, um, 
you want to turn tables, you want more people in your restaurants or, or your store or whatever, it's really invest that time in the person. Yeah. Dan, one thing uh, I, I we try to take from um, from from listening to Danny Meyer is is we try to hold ourselves to we try to hold ourselves to a higher standard, which means that we we invite we invite feedback from people, which means that you know a, a lot of people get scared of feedback. A lot of people are scared to have somebody say, like, you know what, last time I was here, I wasn't really happy with this, but that, that the alternative is that if your customer isn't uh, comfortable enough with you in the relationship you've created, the answer or well, not the answer, but what will happen is they just won't come back versus providing you the feedback. Say, you know what, Josh, last time I was here, my uh, my my macaroni and cheese was a little bit salty. Uh, and you know what? They, thanks for letting us know. And it doesn't it doesn't mean when somebody provides you feedback um, just because it's negative doesn't mean that somebody is asking for something for free. People are just want to be heard and know that you care. And for us, if somebody tells us something like that, like we take it to heart, or we look at, or did we do, you know, did we make a mistake? What did we go wrong? And the simple, the, the simple fact of if, if you're kind to your customers and you make them feel like that you value, understand that you really value their opinion, they're going to help you and help your business get better. Yeah, absolutely. For no cost other than you messing up a food thing. And it's not the end of the world. And not to mention if you fix it and they see that you heard them and fixed it, you've just built a lifelong customer. And not only that, they're your best marketers because they're going to tell people that you heard them and and listen. And now they feel heard. They feel understood. And they're going to go tell everyone. And, um, you know, I heard this great thing. Deborah and I are, are part of this leadership group um, called the um, an, an entrepreneur group called the Arite Syndicate. And we, we do these videos, uh, training sessions, if you will, and question and answers every Wednesdays. And one of the things I heard last night was about what, what they do in their vi- um, supplement stores. Well, so the way they gauge some of this stuff, which is so cool, is how pleased the customers are. And this is a valuable thing is how many handshakes do they get at the end of the day? And I'm not talking about me putting my hand out and engaging someone for a handshake. I'm talking about I have the restraint to hold my hands down and the customer shakes my hand because he's so pleased with the service he got while he was there and that I actually helped him or gave him an experience of that I cared about him. And that simple thing, it was like, okay, that was eye opening for me because it's so true. Like, when people are really happy or, or you've done well by them, you shake their hand. I do it with my Uber drivers. Like if it's yeah. a really good Uber driver, I in without even thinking about it, shake their hand, you know, but the ones that are, you know, are good. I, you know, I just tip them and we go on with the day and the ones who are bad, um, which I never really had many, you know, you don't tip, but really that service when they're doing more than just driving you and more than just getting you to the location. And I'm not talking about just conversation, but getting to know you and engaging whether or not you want to talk or not, like that's a valuable resource and, and ability. So, Oh yeah. Um, I love this topic, you know, just because I think that we've lost a lot of the value add that even though we're in the food business or restaurant business, that we're really in the service business. And I'm not talking food service. I'm talking about 
the service of building relationships with people and knowing that we're building memories for them and their friends and their family if we yes. if we choose to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So on that topic, um, I want to sort of dive back into the educational piece because we got into the finance piece and in the customer service from from your guys' perspective, I think you know it's not. Um, it's not sending someone a survey after they've been there. Oh, hello, can you fill out a survey for me? I think it's interesting how much we rely on surveys these days when the best feedback is just asking the person what they thought face-to-face and having that engagement always in your restaurant or food business. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Go ahead. No, no, sorry, I I just agree. I I, I agree with you. No, and I, you didn't interrupt me, and feel free to interrupt me anytime because I can be long-winded. But it's, um, but I like the, that you're doing that, Josh, and I think it's so important to you guys as a business um, to be doing that. And obviously, you don't need me to tell you you're living it every day and feeling it. So um, let's talk a little bit more about um, the classes. We talked about the financial side. We've obviously talked about the customer side. I mean, what else did they get into? They, they did they get into marketing and social media? Um, you know, what other things did did you come out learning that you didn't know before? Um, you know, we we kind of touched on everything. We we um, we it was it was really broad, uh, and some of the subtopics were really broad, and then we went deep on some. Um, but you know, obviously, social media. Um, web presence, internet presence, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Obviously that's, doesn't matter what business you're in, uh, in this day and age is obviously super important. And the one thing that I think that came out of that, um, I spent some time talking with some of the people there cause there was people in the, our class that, um, that, that do that as their, their profession. You know, they, they, they manage people's social media for them and, um, one thing, a couple of things I think came out of that were really powerful is like, you really have to be authentic. And that's one thing I think that we have done a good job of <laughs> sometimes, um, sometimes, you know, your what's authentic for you may rub people the wrong way. Um, they may not like your sense of humor. Uh, they may not like your use of foul language, which is something that has been brought up to our attention. Um, on occasion, but you have to be authentic and, and true to yourself. And also when you're handling that kind of stuff, like uh, don't, don't shove it off on somebody else. You know, a, a lot of people have asked the, asked the question, like, can I just get uh, that kid that's in college for us? Can I just give him the, the responsibility of ran- managing our social media? Not if you really want to get a good result out of it, you can't. Um, I, I think if, unless it's you as the owner, um, at least in the beginning, you know, setting that example of like, this is kind of who we are. Here's who we are on Instagram and Facebook. You know, we know lots of people follow us there. Lots of people want to know what the special is. Like it it will be very apparent, uh, at least in my opinion, it'll be apparent very quick when somebody else starts taking over that for you. And it's only to try to get clicks or it's to try to, because they think they're going to do something that's going to appease more people. Like stay true to who you are um, and, and be authentic in everything that you do. 
Yeah, and I think that's so important. And people see through it. And even, you know, it's interesting mm-hmm. because I, I understand the foul language thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. And uh, and I can get pretty fiery. And, and probably there's been some podcasts where I've used some foul language more than other ones. But it's um, it's one of those things that it's it's hard because what I've come to understand really through all of it is that once you stop being tr- true to yourself and try to curb that, um, then you become less real for some reason because you're trying to pretend you're something you're not. And it may yeah. be hard for people for who you are, but the reality is is you're not going to please everyone all the time. And that's a huge lesson as an entrepreneur in a business. And for sure. you know, um, trying to go and please everyone only hurts your business because you're not capturing the people who could really love you and love your business. But yes, it is at the cost of the people that aren't going to love your business in the first place. And so you may offend them in the process. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to be aggressive because people get offended for a lot of reasons um, that are outside of your control and have to do more with them than you. Um, But it's, um, but when we, we really are authentic and vulnerable in who we are and in our businesses as entrepreneurs, we are the business. It goes back again to the building the relationships piece. Social media should be used to, to educate your, your followers, to show them the new stuff you're doing, to, to show them what other things you can bring into the store and enjoy. It's not, um, you know, and some people are going to enjoy that and what you have to offer and others aren't. They have an option. They can unfollow you. They cannot come to your store, um, you know, and if, you know, if they want to come back at you for some reason, you know, unless it's a loyal customer that you want to obviously deal with. Sometimes there's just people that want to hate on social media, um, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it it's, it, 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 yeah, 100%. It kind of is, you know. It, 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 it is, it is what it is, but it's definitely something that, you know, that I, I think some people, if you're not comfortable with social media, the, I think it's fine to, to, I think it's fine to out, to outsource it to somebody, but I think you really have to make sure that, um, that those people are, are conveying your message the, the, the way that you want it to be conveyed. If that makes sense. I think, I think you run the risk and obviously, you know, bigger businesses, obviously, you know, the, the bigger businesses are going to have somebody that's managing that kind of stuff and controlling that. But as a small business, like if you have the resources and you choose that, you know, this is something that we want to we want to pay someone else to do. I just think you have to make sure that that they're putting out your message in an authentic way or you still have the ability to post, you know, post for yourself. Not just everything is a controlled ad campaign. Yeah, and I really want to touch upon this um, in, from my own experience. I think there was about, I want to say about four years, um, we outsourced all of our social media um, as a company from 2009 to 2013, mm-hmm. and we paid a lot of money for it. I, I mean, just I'm, the heartache over how much it costs us every month. And it actually hurt our business. Um, it hurt our relationships. It hurt it became a very generic, like almost like advertising on a billboard feel and our clients, our clients, customers, um, you know, the people that we had built relationships, it wasn't, 
and we weren't using foul language or anything. They were very clean. They just, they didn't see it as authentic or true to our brand or our businesses or our people. So it became very hard. So, you know, we started to take it back over and in doing so, you know, a lot of the followers, quote unquote, and, and likes that they got us for our pages were people who weren't really engaged anyway and adding any value. So you look at right. when you post something, what is your click through? You know, what are the people that are actually, you know, responding to your posts and participating in it versus how many total people you have? And we literally had to go back through after four years of them, quote unquote, building our audience had to scrub all of our pages and really some of them even start over again and rebuild because the message had gotten so lost and we had disengaged our real original followers who actually paid attention to us so much that we just were like, oh my gosh, how do we fix this problem and, and how do we start over? And we've been rebuilding. And as we've done that, we've taken it all internally. Um, and then over the last few months, we've actually started to bring in our own department because uh, yeah. we, we, we've looked elsewhere and people to manage it and stuff like that, but no one can get the message right. No, it doesn't feel authentic, number one. And number two, it's, it's, they don't deliver and feel the culture and core values of your company and deliver that to the people out there. So, right. you know, we are our businesses. And while social media takes up our time and we don't want to do it, you know, we just need to put ourselves out there and in the process, you know, help our, our, our potential followers, you know, uh, or educate them or add some entertainment or give them some value in it um, or attract them to your business. You know, what I love about you guys, um, Josh, is your photos are so great and, and they explain your food so well. You know, a lot of people just throw stuff up there and, and they don't really get into it as much. And, and you guys have always done such a good job of keeping that professional and, and putting your stuff out there. And I know it's you because I know you. I can feel it, you know, and I don't know your wife yet. Um, she hasn't been on the podcast, but as our relationships grow as friends, I would hope that you know, I see it in her as well because I can, I can assume the pieces that I don't see that are you are probably her because you guys are business partners, but it's you guys. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always tell people that the pictures that are really good are the ones that she takes and the ones that are kind of shitty are the, usually the ones that I take and I get, she gives me a hard time, but I'm getting, but I, I'm slowly getting better. Um, I, I now could take the, do a better job of taking the time to wipe the uh, brisket grease off my phone and stuff like that when I take a picture of the special, but she takes extremely, extremely good pictures. So I, but, and then and that's something also to think about though. And I joke about it, but if I look through our feed and I see, I, I, I joke, but I, I, I take much better pictures now, but there was a time where her pictures were exceptional. And then I come in and I take some crappy picture and it looks off brand for our business. And I, and I, noticed it. And I, and, and, you know, sometimes when you're a business partner with your wife, you feel like she's just, um, giving you a hard time because you're husband and wife, but she made a good point. You know, like she, she's like, you know, you, you make mention of you'll go through somebody, look at a feed and be like, this picture looks like crap. She's like you're, you know, you're doing the same thing when you're not taking the time to take a good picture for us. So it, it really does make you stop and think like, you know, just take an extra 30 seconds. Uh, and I joke, but wipe, you know, wipe your camera off. 
and, and take time to take a really nice picture because it, it can speak volumes about your about your brand. No, absolutely. And I think people don't realize how much potential they have in their fingertips. You don't need a professional to do this. And and you just need yeah. to be willing to take the first step and learn as you go. Like anything else you've done, it's it's how you've gotten you've yeah. gotten in the food business. It's how you've become an entrepreneur. It's the same thing. You don't need to outsource social media. Um, obviously, website you may need someone to help you build, but be involved in the process. Like very heavily involved. You are you. It's your message that needs to be delivered. And people right. often get so wrapped up in the day to day operations, they don't realize the impact that this stuff has. Especially right. if you are building relationships. If I build a relationship with someone, I can tell you that they go follow me on social media or or yeah. my businesses. When I don't actually invest in them, they're no matter how much I ask them to, to click or follow or like stuff, they're not going to. Why? Because I didn't build a personal relationship. But that personal relationship, once they click, also has to reflect my, me as a human being. Because if they're like, well, I know him, and subconsciously they're like, this stuff doesn't really match who I know as the person or I know as the business, it doesn't match. And that's firsthand experience with me, like I said, for four years. Um, we weren't aligned because we were, you know, as much help and, and professionalism the company did, it wasn't aligned with who we are as a business. No matter how much we worked with them, they weren't living the culture. They weren't living the experience. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's harder. And the other thing I wanted to talk to about, because you touched upon something and I love this topic because I also work with my significant other is um, something that we've really started focusing on and in a business, and Deborah and I have always sort of had this, but we can forget it, is, and you should treat this with all your business partners or all your employees, you know. The thing about business is if you think about it that you're not, you're not disagreeing with a person, you're disagreeing with the idea. And I wish we could handle this on a whole political scale and, and news-related scale also. Don't get me wrong. I think about this a lot. But what we're really disagreeing with is the idea. It's not the person we have a problem with. And because they have an idea that's different than ours doesn't mean they're bad as a person or they're a horrible person or we need to fight with them as a person. They just have a different idea and perspective than we have. They see through a different set of glasses based on their life experiences than we do. And so, you know, like, really, it's taken me a long time to get there. And, and though Deborah and I have always practiced it, I didn't really have a term to describe it as much as, you know, um, one day my father comes in and he says, you know, we're going to handle it this way. And I'm like, oh, gosh, now that's an easy way to remember that. Disagree with the idea, not the person. You know, and... Yeah, that's really good. I, I like that. And it's just, it's shifted the way things happen. And in our own business, just that simple message has started driving us more towards solidarity. And we're a pretty solid company, but in in or at least I thought so, and that's not saying we weren't, but now that we're taking those extra steps through that message... Um, you're like, holy crap, we could have been doing a lot better. We just needed that guidance because often we think we're being attacked as the person or we're afraid someone's going to think badly of us or we get defensive because we don't want that person thinking negative thoughts about us. But that's not really what's going on. You know, yeah. when it's in a safe environment to just disagree with the idea and it be safe to do it and, and be accepted, 
that we're st- we can still be people and good humans to each other and all that it it changes things quite a bit so yeah i used to have a i used to have a boss and uh, and my wife and i will eventually at some point when we're arguing we may you know having a disagreement about something like this um she'll bring this up but but he would always say like i don't have to be right i just want to get it right so yeah. at the end of the day we're just trying to figure out how to get it right like it doesn't matter if it's me, you, somebody else. But sometimes, you know, especially when you're when you're when you're having a discussion with your significant other about about something like that, you know, it sometimes it's hard to not take it personal. But you do have to realize and, and, and make that realization to move stuff forward. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's just you know these simple things, and this is part of why I want to do the podcast and and what I've learned over the last year doing the podcast versus where I am now. Um, and moving forward is, is what are these little things that we put inside our head that are actually just obstacles from helping us be greater in our businesses as entrepreneurs. And, you know, when you tweak the story a little bit or change the wording, it has, you know, huge impact on you, you know? Um, and I'm going to give everyone examples because I think it's important. You know, the first example is what you said about debt. When you tweak it a little bit where you're like, we have a good times, I don't need it during the bad times, but I'm only going to take out a little now so I can establish it now. That's a small tweak that debt's okay, you know, and it changes Mm -hmm. the trajectory of your business. Um, Right. The one we just brought up, when I see it as we're disagreeing with ideas, not the person, it tweaks your brain just a little bit, especially when we practice it. And, you know, one of the things that we've done as a business that started to tweak is we started realizing that we have clients and we have customers and being that we don't deliver straight to the consumer. Um, our clients are the people we serve. However, we share our clients customers with them in the service and delivery of our products and co-packaging and meals and so on and so forth. And those simple mindsets where you tweak those things, that's a big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and the fourth one, which is what we were talking about, is that the customer is there in, in your restaurants and in your businesses for more than just a cash transaction for a product or for food. Mm-hmm. They're there to have an experience, to build a memory, to have an opportunity. Food just happens to be something we do all the time, so we center around it as families, as as friends, as whatever, because everyone has to eat. So it's like, okay, let's do lunch or let's get coffee. But what you're, what you're witnessing as a business owner and an entrepreneur in the food and beverage space is that you're helping these people build memories. So be a part of it and build a relationship with these people and give them, you know, go the extra mile and, and talk to them and get to know them. And I guarantee you, if you're slowing down sales a little bit because you're spending time talking to someone or you're not turning a table the marketing and advertising you're going to get from that person by building that relationship and them telling people that's going to be huge. Right. So, you know, it's why do I, why do I have Josh on the episode for uh, another episode, three episodes? Why? Because he took the time and built a relationship with me. And that's the truth. You know, it's that simple. Him and I, every once in a while, text message back and forth or talk and it's, and he responds and he's like, and I'm like, okay, this is a guy, this is a cool dude. I want to get to know him more. He shares a lot of my, my same mindsets and he has a urge to grow. So, and we talk about it. I know that about Josh because he's on the podcast. And so 
you know, thank you, Josh, for the investment in our relationship. I, you know, gratitude there. And um, yeah, thanks for having me again. <laughs> and I think that, you know, people don't realize what could come out of things. Um, and so, Josh, I just, um, gosh, we, could, we do these episodes and I always love them. Um, so is there anything that you want to talk about before we get off? Anything that you feel that would be insightful that we didn't touch upon or, or any experiences related to the biscuit stuff that you want to get into since we didn't really dive into that? Uh, no, I mean, I think just, you know, it's just another thing that came out of that and, and it's a whole nother, um, a whole nother, a whole nother podcast some other time or somebody else, but just, just don't ever stop looking for great people. Like it, there's always a spot for them. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like taking on what well, we talk about taking on the debt um, when you don't need it. Like uh, if we have an opportunity to add on somebody to our team that, that we think is going to be a great uh, human being, a great person first, we're going to find a way to, to get them on board. So I just think, in this day and age, we a lot of people talk about how there's not enough good, there's not enough good people out there. There's not enough people that want to work. But like we can sit around and make excuses all day for it, but when the opportunity becomes and, and it will come, and you're going to have somebody, it, just because you don't have a spot, make it happen. Figure it out. Like don't don't pass up on that person uh, because it's because it's going to be hard. Make it happen. So that's I think that's my last. Uh, the last thing I have in that. Yeah. So I want to touch on that too. And, and just really emphasize that because we often wait for the growth opportunity before we hire someone. And I don't mean hiring people premature, like I'm going to create a job to grow my business. I agree with you that that mindset is wrong because we often think we need to create the position, hire someone for that position, and then our company will grow. So we take it on. But the realistic thing is, and we've done this with our businesses um, always, is it's always about someone knowing someone and or someone's met someone in a restaurant or a, a chef in a kitchen that has really excelled in what they do and build relationships and we find a position for them because when you find a position for someone like that, the business does grow. Where if you create a position and then try to fill it to grow your business, you're often not growing as fast and you have a lot of frustrations and you probably go through a lot of people because you've already created. But a person that doesn't even know they're a value to your business, find a spot for them because I guarantee you that they will grow your business in some way and they will pay for the risk that you've taken moving forward. And I've never gotten on that on the podcast either, but you're, I agree with you 100%, Josh. It's so important in growing your business that you, when you find the right people that have the right skills or core values that will complement your business or that you feel can grow inside your business, um, it's pretty important that you, you really take a look at them and figure out how to get them on board because they will grow your business. Um, especially if they match your core values and believe in what you're doing. So, um, Josh, thank you again so much for jumping on another podcast. I look forward to actually meeting you in person one of these days. Hopefully it's in June and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that as well. And thank you everyone for listening in. Um, have a great day and Josh, I really enjoyed this podcast.
Me too. Thanks a lot, Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you.